Welcome to Oddly On Air, where we expand teaching and learning perspectives by connecting theory and practice through conversations with expert Westchester University faculty and members of the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation. And now, to our hosts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to you, Oddly On Air. I'm Jess Drass, the learning technologist in the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation, uh, co-hosting today with my colleague. Hi, everyone. I'm Madison Steinbrenner. I'm one of the instructional designers in the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation. Today, we are sitting down with Dr. Simon Ruckty to talk about his use of student response systems, uh, specifically Poll Everywhere. That's what we use here at Westchester in class to encourage interactivity and active learning. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you. Do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I'm an associate professor in the philosophy department. I teach uh, most of my courses our first-year experience courses, and I teach a lot of large lecture halls for women's and gender studies, and then, of course, philosophy courses. So I actually took a couple of your courses during my undergrad here at Westchester, and I remember the format was largely engaging discussion-based lectures. Could you tell us a little bit about the current format of your courses? Is there a lot of discussion going on there? On a, a good day, uh, a lot of my classes now are anywhere from you know, like 100 to 200 students, sometimes more. So if things go well, I can get, you know, a third of the class talking. If things go really well, we can get well over half the class talking. In my smaller classes, I usually expect a lot more discussion. So I do lectures, but the lectures are always using uh, interactions, discussions, questions with the students. So would you say that these discussions follow the format of a Socratic seminar? And in case listeners, you aren't familiar with a Socratic seminar, maybe you want to explain this a little bit, Simon? I would say that to start, that it would be ambitious for me to say that I pull that off. Um, <laughs> the idea of a Socratic seminar is you, you take a text and you sort of deep dive into it. And the professor's job is to ask sort of broad, open-ended questions, right? And then the students share their opinion, but then my job is often to just disagree with them, not for the point of telling them they're wrong, but to the point of uh, getting them to think through their opinions. Mm -hmm. However, I always tell my students beginning of the semester, I take a very obnoxious approach to the Socratic method. And so a lot of what I do is um, kind of teasing my students or saying something that I know is fundamentally wrong and kind of wait for them to turn the table and challenge me. So it is kind of like that, but not entirely. Okay. So you're kind of riffing off of it. Like. Yeah. It's kind of lazy. And that, Socratic method. that is kind of a, a theory or a connection to theory here. Um, in <laughs> Norman Eng's book, Teaching College, um, one of the tips for discussions, he suggests using that Socratic seminar format. And again, like I know you're not following the rules exactly, but I think... You know, it's good enough that it's <laughs> cool. that. So discussions, especially in-person discussions, can be intimidating for some students. Do you establish and enforce any rules of engagement with your classes? Uh, yeah, especially the courses I teach tend to um, be on things like structural oppression and ethics. And so inevitably students are going to be worried about saying the wrong thing. So I always start every class with uh, 
basically rules of engagement. That's we have to understand that at any point somebody's going to say something that offends you, and that's perfectly fine so long as their intent isn't to offend you, but their intent is to come to a better understanding. And so I remind my students that when they're going to get upset with somebody for saying something, say, homophobic, they need to remember the time that somebody was offended by something they said that was racist, and that doesn't mean that they were a bad person for saying the homophobic or the racist thing. It's okay to be mad about it and be offended and talk about it, but we don't attack each other. Yeah. So, and I also kind of give some common language that we can all agree on to use to so that because a lot of times students would say to me, "I I want to ask a question, but I don't know the right term to use for whatever thing." Yeah, and again, especially like with some of that subject matter, um, they are difficult things to talk about, and students might be scared to speak up in some cases but i think that having that baseline you know being able to navigate those disagreements um and then having you as an instructor kind of moderating is helpful and that is also a connection to theory is (laughs) uh those rules of engagement and discussion one of the other things i do want to add i think about that i do a lot of is and i let my students know i'm going to do this i make a lot of mistakes in class hoping that the students will call me out for it. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, then I point it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea being making sure that they understand that even people who teach this for a living are going to mess up. Yeah, And so it, the messing up is, is an important part of the learning process. Just from having taken your classes, I know it's kind of weird. Like that was seven years ago and I'm working <laughs> here and I'm, you know... <laughs> Doing and now I'm coming to you for help all the time. <laughs> exactly, but I think like having been a student in your classes, that is what made you just like so approachable and like I, I didn't feel weird like coming to you with any questions or anything. Because I was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of shifting on this a little bit, um, could you tell us a little about your use of a student response system, so specifically Poll Everywhere in your courses. What led you to incorporating this tool into your lectures instead of maybe having people raise their hands and speak in person? Honestly, it was when I moved to teaching uh, 150, 200 students mm-hmm. in a class. There's no way I can lecture. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I can't work off lecture notes. I have dyslexia and ADHD, and so I can't, I literally cannot read while I'm teaching. And so I had to come up with a way to maintain a, a structure that would help me stay focused. Um, but also lectures like that, they don't work, especially for what I teach. So people kept coming by the office talking about these poll uh, systems, and so I started using one. And what I found was that my uh, engagement, once I figured out how to use them correctly, student engagement skyrocketed, like better than what I had in my small um, discussion-based classes, and students loved them. You know, the, some of the questions that we would come up with on the fly as we were going, just as a student would say, things like, I'd write a question, they'd say, that question doesn't make any sense. And we'd look at it and be like, oh, right. it's because I reversed the order of the words. <laughs> and so then we'd redo it, but then sometimes students would say, no, but the premise of your question is wrong. And when we talked about the Socratic thing, that was where I found them really starting to get comfortable engaging with me. And so then I would start to intentionally create crappy questions. <laughs> and so that, that I'd sit there and wait for students to, to tell me there was a problem with the question. And then I started actually doing that on my exams. 
awesome. more and more. <laughs> I would, uh, for like a midterm, not a final, but I would put in a question that the way the question was written, if a student could, when the students look at it and say, yeah, that's, that doesn't make any sense, I'd be like, okay, bonus point for the whole class. So. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel so redundant, but again, you were talking about um, those large online lecture halls and how the student response system poll everywhere has increased engagement. And there are a ton of journal articles on this, but the one that I cherry picked was published in 2009. It's from uh, Gauchi et al. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but basically they did a study at the University of Melbourne involving undergrad physiology students, and they implemented a student response system with the goal of increasing active learning and student engagement. And they found a significant increase in not only student engagement, but testing scores. Mm. They scored significantly higher on their midterms and finals. So I thought that was interesting and kind of highlights, you know, the benefits of using that kind of system and the fact that you're confirming, like, the engagement in your larger courses went up even more so than you've seen in some of your smaller courses is one of the things I, you know, just because I've been really pushing the success of the pull everywhere stuff is that there have been times at the end of, you know, an hour and 15 minute class with a hundred, even with my class with 200 plus students in it, where I'm trying to say to students, we need to leave now. Like classes, (laughs) we need to stop. And that would almost always happen after we had been doing a lot of, of like, not polling just for asking, do you know the content, but discussion, incentivizing polling. Students, you know, students are always bringing their friends to class. Um, and the students oh, wow. are doing the polling. <laughs> That's um, nice. It's, it, it's, they enjoy it. That's awesome. And what do you say overall, Poll Everywhere specifically, is pretty easy to use? It's easier to use, the interface is easier to use than the one I'd used before. In some ways, there are some yeah. some issues I have with it, but overall, it's easier to use. I have not yet once had all of my poll data just disappear unless I made the mistake. So that's <laughs> okay. a, that's a good thing. That's good, yeah. and I I know we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. It, for those listening that don't know, um, I actually am the administrator of Poll Everywhere. So if you're trying to get a presenter account, you can email me at jdress at wcupa.edu. So Simon and I have sat down a couple of times. You know, I, maybe I'm skipping forward a little bit. I was going to get to this later, but what are like some roadblocks you've encountered with use of Poll Everywhere? Are there any features maybe you'd really like to see that aren't yet available? Well, there, there are two major ones. Uh, the first one that I was able to use with the previous system that I used Within um, PowerPoint, I could be on a poll, hit return, and then type up a brand new question. Mm. And the thing that was great about that is if a student you know, responded to a poll and said, yeah, 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 but you're not thinking about blah, blah, blah. And I could go, oh, really? And then I would you know, type up that question and really quickly throw in a few random answers. And students would often be like, put this in there, put that in there. <laughs> and then I'd hit start, and it would put on a new poll. And I love that. The other thing I would love is if they had it so that I could run my PowerPoints, my polls, everything, and create them on the fly from an iPad. Because what I would like to be able to do, what I, when I'm not running a poll, I'll walk around the auditorium. But what I end up doing, and I always get my steps in this way, is I'm <laughs> out there with a microphone giving it to students, and then I'm sprinting back up to the stage right. um, and and 
you know, running the polls. So it'd be great if they had better integration with, with uh, the mobile apps. Yeah. I think I know we've looked into the presenter app a little bit before and it was like the app was available on an iPad, but you couldn't cast to the PowerPoint on a MacBook. It was specifically for the Windows version of PowerPoint. But um, like if you have the technology for that the presenter app's not bad but there are some things and i i um talked to our vendor about it as well like they're minor things though yes very minor like some of the functionality the uh, interface with it is so much better than the previous ones that that i'm okay with waiting for them to make those changes yeah and i found just interacting with them and like our case manager for them um they're very responsive and they do take those things into consideration. So, One of the, the greatest things for me that um, I think might be useful for a lot of uh, faculty to know about is that, uh, what do you call it, the, um, where you can aggregate the data. Uh, not aggregate, that's the wrong word. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Words are hard. So I'll do a poll, I'll ask a question, and I can show the results based on the gender or the race. Oh, the that's response. interesting. So a lot of the polling that I'll do, I'll ask a question, I'll throw up the answer, and students will be like, oh, okay. So, and they'll say, okay, well, now, and I can just very easily from the PowerPoint go in and say, now tell us who answered what based on their race, based on their gender. Yeah, that, I think they call it the demographic, demographic polls. Yeah. And the, thing that, the one other thing that would be nice if they got to the point where you could actually break it down by multiple categories, so I would like to be able to break it down by race and gender uh, simultaneously. Yeah, that would be really interesting data. Yeah. This might be a broad question, but, you know, what kind of polls do you usually ask students to respond to? So sometimes I just will ask them some questions where I want to see, did you actually do the reading? Yeah. You know, um, and so I'll, I'll ask them a, a question from the text, or sometimes I'll ask them questions where, I, you know, I, I will often start by saying, kind of, what did you think of this reading? Mm-hmm. Um, was it too hard? Was it confusing? Was, did you disagree with it? But the stuff that I find most useful is when we're asking questions that help them connect their lives to what we're studying in class. For example, in one of my classes, I'll ask, you know, have you ever had somebody harass you at a bar, a restaurant, a club, party? And then the next question is, have you ever had anybody touch your body? You know, and um, and then I can break that down by gender. Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask, have you ever intervened when you saw a woman? And I'll be specific in that case, a woman being harassed. And the answers will, for the guys, will be almost every one of them will say yes. But then the next question is, have you, have you ever experienced a man intervening on your behalf? And almost none of the women say yes. And so the nice thing about that is I can say, okay, all of you guys think you're intervening. All of the women yeah. and the non-binary and, and, and you know, genderqueer folks are saying, yeah, I've never experienced that. And so we can have a really robust conversation about why that is. So typically, for example, in this case, guys will think that walking up to their buddy and putting their arm around them saying, yo, bro, let's go over here and talk is mm-hmm. an intervention. Mm-hmm. But what that person being harassed thinks and all the other people around witnessing it think is he's just patting his buddy on the back for calling this woman a slut. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, and those are the kind of things that poll everywhere is really good for because you can ask sort of 
generic questions that everybody sort of assumes that everybody agrees with them. And then all of a sudden they look up and they go, oh. And I found that a lot of students who would never participate in my class say, I felt comfortable participating in your class because I realized I wasn't the only one in the room who thought that way. And so that's one of the nice ways of, of creating questions to get conversation going. Yeah, definitely a great way to make students, you know, feel more comfortable about those discussions, knowing they're not alone. Also, I I feel like I'm hitting this button too many times, but (laughs) (laughs) um, those questions make the lessons relevant because you're asking them beforehand. Like, I'm assuming before you get into like the main content of the lecture, like, has this happened to you? how did you react in this situation? So it gets them thinking like about their personal experiences, which then makes it easier to relate the new content. Mm -hmm. And it also, honestly, it helps them remember the stuff later because if we have that conversation and then we get into the lecture content and I repeat some of, you know, what we'd already talked about, I do think it seems to me from my understanding is that is going to help them with those multiple touchstones on the content. Remember it. Yeah. In your opinion, how have these Poll Everywhere activities enriched your lectures and discussions overall? So uh, we've talked about a lot of things, like just getting students who wouldn't normally engage engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're teaching, a, I use it a lot in big lecture halls, but I've also started using it in smaller classes um, because it, when students start drifting off, if they have to do the poll, then all of a sudden I bring them back. Yeah. So even when I've got 25 students in a class, that's a good way to, to say, hey, I'm still waiting on a response, and then it you know, brings students back. I feel that it helps students feel more comfortable challenging me and the content um, because they see me in real time making mistakes. And I, as long as I'm encouraging them to say politely, respectfully, that I've made a mistake, then um, I find that to be a big benefit. It gets rid of that top-down notion of teaching. So, or challenges it anyway. Yeah, it kind of makes them more responsible for... Yeah, they get to also be the educators in the room. Which is another... <laughs> <laughs> we are full of them today. Not just feeding them the content, but having them explore and come to yeah. that discovery in a more collaborative way. So have you gotten any feedback from students? Students really like it. Okay. Um, even when I haven't been able to use it as effectively, like in my first-year experience courses, I haven't quite figured out a way to, to integrate it as well. Students, um, the feedback was really positive for it. Sometimes there are students who don't like it, mm-hmm. but those tend to be the students who just want to hear the information. They want me to do the lecture. They're consistently the students who are like, what's going to be on the test? <laughs> yeah. um, but most of the students who come into my class this has always been the case, and I suspect some of the stuff I've been reading, it's going to be even more so the case as students have been you know, at home learning. They come in wanting to have those conversations that they always imagined college would be like. You know, the exciting, vital conversations where they aren't being censored, where people are having disagreements. And some students don't like the disagreements, but as long as I think you keep them as calm as you can, they want to talk about the big issues. And so students have consistently said the poll everywhere is great for them being able to do that in a less um, tense, conflictual environment. Because you can also, like with the responses, um, do you like have them show up anonymously on the screen for some of them? So yeah, I use a lot of anonymous questions. Um, If you're going to use the uh, 
demographics. Mm-hmm. You can't be anonymous. Right. And so it's very important to make sure they know that I, I will have access to that information even though I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. But once you use the demographics, it's not anonymous. For, there are certain questions that just have to be anonymous. Yeah. And so I make sure that they know that it's anonymous. And I think that helps a lot. Students feel safe answering those questions. Definitely. Do you have any advice for faculty who are interested in implementing a student response system in their course? Yeah. Uh, be patient with yourself in the beginning. As you figure out how it's going to work for you and encourage students to be patient. Just say, hey, this is new to me. There were a lot of glitches for me when I first started using it. It was taking up too much time in the classroom. The other system I used, they had to have these little clicker devices. It took forever to get that right. set up. But this new system is just an app. Right. One thing I would want to encourage, aside from just that sort of general be patient with yourself, is I encourage people not to use it simply for taking attendance. (laughs) If you're going to do that, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. if that's all it's for, students can find easy workarounds with that. But when you're using it throughout the class, then students start to expect it. Your students are going to be on their phones anyway. Mm -hmm. So you might as well. Take advantage, advantage of it. <laughs> yeah. However, what can happen is a student picks up their phone for a poll, they see a text, and now they're reading that text. So you really need to kind of rein them back in. And it does take a lot of work at times until you hit a rhythm, and that is pretty good. One other thing I would suggest, if you're going to use demographic polling, I've consistently run into this problem where you look out at the room and you've got maybe you think possibly – to trans or gender queer students. If you do gender demographic polling and you do just men and women, you've alienated those students. Right. But now if you say men, women, gender queer students, you've outed all of their answers. Mm. So one of the ways that I've handled that is to at times say, hey, to avoid doing this, we're going to just pick, I want you to pick these two categories or none of the above. That way it's like, it could be somebody who identifies as a man, identifies as a woman, picks none of the above. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I won't offer the none of the above, or I will check in with that student and or like, say, do you want me to leave that option open for you? Yeah, or like, I don't care to answer. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, that's just, it's important to remember, and it's not just around gender, it's around race. Mm-hmm. And our students of color are so often asked to speak on behalf of an entire race that it becomes, you may opt not to use... Uh, to, to use race as one of your demographic polls if you run the risk of revealing what that one or two students of color yeah, think Yeah, that's a class. good point. Yeah, yeah, I think that opt-out is yeah. really great. Um, what has been your favorite memory so far this summer? Anything exciting? Wow, there's a lot, actually. It's been a busy summer. We put in a pool in the backyard that's fun. Yeah. And so I think just hanging out in the pool with the kids was fun. Ooh, that is fun. Is there anything you're looking forward to this fall? Nobody's going to believe this when I say it, but it is true. Um, FYE. I'm oh. teaching uh, three, two, three sections of FYE. And um, I really like teaching that class. You have the opportunity to help students figure out how to make the most of their college education. They pretend to be indifferent, but as you talk to them, they're really excited and nervous. And that's where I find students are they are just like, 
you can tell the content in FYE where students are like, I hate this. <laughs> and the stuff yeah. that they get excited about, it's the stuff that made, and you see in movies that make college look exciting. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff I get excited about. <laughs> it's the other stuff that we're like, oh, but this is so important. They're like, ugh. Like, I don't care. That's awesome. Okay, so let's see if Madison and I can recap the key points from today. One was, Simon, as a professor, you prefer um, like a more interactive type of lecture rather than just like standing there and talking at people, reading notes. And you do kind of like riff off of a Socratic seminar. Uh, not It's not a true Socratic seminar, but I think there are some elements there that make it work. We also talked about... Um how Simon has used poll everywhere in his larger lectures to, you know, get engagement, make students more comfortable getting into those tough discussions, and really how he kind of set up some rules for engagement for those tough discussions too, so that students don't feel called out or like that they're making mistakes and saying the wrong thing. Yep. And we did note that you have noticed an increased level of participation in using poll everywhere and have like run some really interesting polls to get students to personally relate to the content before you know it's even presented to them in some cases and lastly your advice for faculty who are interested in implementing it is there is a little bit of a learning curve so try not to get frustrated as you do that there there will be some kinks and try not to use it just for attendance like incorporate into your classes make to make your lectures and lessons more active and engaging. On that note, uh, if you do want to get started with Poll Everywhere, if you've not used it before as a presenter, you can contact me, Jess Drass, at jdrass at wcupa.edu. I'll put my email in the show notes. Um, and I do also offer a one-on-one consultation if you want like a deeper dive into the mechanics of it, how, to work, how it works, and some best practices. Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to sit down and talk and thank you. see how you're using these uh, strategies and tools in your courses to improve the student experience and also your experience. Thanks for listening today. If you have any interest in being a future guest or have any suggestions for a future topic, please email us at distanceed at wcupa.edu. And we're closing now. Stay odd. <laughs> <laughs>